The title of the message this morning is First Things First. There will be a test. Um, some of you have probably had this experience. I know I did when I was a student in high school and college. Um, so some of you will be able to relate to this. Anybody ever walk into class and watch everybody feverishly studying through their notes and their textbooks and, and, and you sort of look around the room and you scan the room and you realize, I think I may be in big trouble today. Uh, and you ask a friend, why are you studying so feverishly? And they look at you like, duh, we've got a test today. Didn't you? And you just have this sinking feeling. Anybody ever have that time? Anybody ever experienced that other than me? A few of you experienced that? A few, um, I know a few of you are perfect students and you don't have any idea what I'm talking about. But for those of us who are normal in the room, we know what that feels like, right? <laughs> we know what it's like. To and so... That's why I said the title of the message is There's Going to Be a Test. This is a, now, not today. So you can relax. Those of you who have the testophobic, you know, you can relax. It's not today, it's, but it's actually every day. Every day, in the way we think, in the way we manage our time, in the way we live, in the way we manage our resources, in the way we enter into relationship with God and one another, we take a test. And the test is this, God tests our faith and he asks us, he even challenges us in his word to test his faithfulness. You ever experienced that? God tests our faith, you may want to write this down, God tests my faith and he invites me to test his faithfulness. A wonderful thing. And he demonstrates who he is this way, and he helps us understand who we, who he wants us to become. God tells us in our lives to put him first in everything. You ever have, you ever have seasons or times in life where it just feels like the wheels are starting to fall off and things aren't going well and it's completely out of control. And for those of you who are sort of self-proclaimed control freaks, you really go into action in these times? It feels like just, just everything's out of control. Anybody? Anybody ever have it those times? Especially in times like that, we need God to put things in order, don't we? When our life is falling apart and when the wheels, it feels like the wheels are falling off, we need order in our lives. And God promises us in his word, and he demonstrates this in our lives, that when we put him first and we we trust in his faithfulness, he will bring order into our lives. Jesus promises us, tells us in John chapter 16, just hours before he's arrested and crucified, he promises us that in this world, we're going to have trouble. And that's, that, that's true in all of our lives, no matter how, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not. It's true, isn't it? We live in a world that's full of trouble. But in spite of that reality, even in the midst of trouble, we can have order and we can have peace from the God who is the faithful one as long as we put him first in everything and in all of our ways we experience who he is. Let's look and see what he says in Exodus chapter 13 starting in verse 1. If you have your Bibles open there or whatever you're reading scripture on. Exodus 13 verse 1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, sanctify to me 
every firstborn. Now, let me stop there for a second and explain what that means. To sanctify means to set it apart for God. Sanctify, make it holy unto the Lord. That's what it means there. So every firstborn, set it aside, make it holy unto the Lord because it's his. He goes on to say, the first, notice how many times he says first in this passage of scripture that we're going to read. The first offspring of every womb, every womb among the sons of Israel, both of man and beast, it, what? It belongs to me. Skip down now to verse 12. He goes on to say, this is God speaking, you shall devote to the Lord the first offspring of every womb and the first offspring of every beast that you own. The males belong to the Lord. But every first offspring of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. But if you do not redeem it, then, it's going to graphic here, then you shall break its neck. And every firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. First point in your outline, if you're following along and want to fill in the blanks, the first point is the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. Now let me explain what's happening here and why we're reading this passage of Scripture. There are two categories of animals. There's one category that's unclean, and there's another category of animals that is clean. God considers this category unclean and this category clean. We won't go into all the explanation or spend the time on what it takes to explain all that. Just trust me, okay? There's two categories of animals. Sheep happen to belong in the clean category. Donkeys belong in the unclean category. That's why he says, you know, you can't redeem something that's unclean with something that's unclean. The only way to redeem an animal, to redeem the firstborn that belongs to the Lord, is with a clean Sacrifice. So even if, when you have an unclean animal or a son or a daughter, this is the firstborn of the womb, a clean animal needed to be sacrificed to redeem that firstborn, the, the, the firstborn that belongs to God. Now, I, sh- I say all that, and we'll, we'll, this will all make sense in a minute. Let me ask you a question, though. When you were born, or when I was born, when we were born, were we clean or were we unclean? Which category were we in? Unclean. We're unclean. We're born with our nature is a sin nature. We're, we're separated from God. We're unclean. And, and if you don't believe that, just think about your own children for a second. And, and let me ask you a question about them. Did you have to teach, if your children are old enough to know one way or the other, did you have to teach your children to be disobedient? Anybody? Anybody have to teach your children to be disobedient? They kind of figure that out on their own, don't they? Uh, I, I'll never forget when our firstborn son, Josh, he's now 30 years old, he'll soon be 31, uh, when he was young, we were teaching him how to eat. We'd, we had him in a high chair, and he was learning how to eat, and he was taking his spoon. You know when they're first learning how to do that, it's kind of awkward. So sometimes they turn the spoon over before they get it to their mouth, and he would drop a lot of the food and get part of it in. And I think he sort of got amused with watching it drop out of the spoon. So he, he would pick up some, a spoonful of food, and he would take it over, and he would hold it off the tray, and he would just dump it on the floor. This is kind of fun. Just, and I'd say, Josh, 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 don't put the food on the floor. Put it in your mouth. 
And so he would do that a time or two, and then he would look at me, and he'd kind of put it over on the floor, and, and I said, Josh, Josh, come on. The food doesn't belong on the floor. The food belongs in your mouth. And this is what he did. He's not even, he's not, he's not even two years old. He's probably one and a half. He takes the spoon, and he fills it full of food. He looks at me, and he holds it over the tray, and he dumps it on the floor. And I said, you little sinner. <laughs> You're not even two years old yet. And I'm sure your mother didn't teach you that trick. See, we don't have to teach our kids to be disobedient, do we? Because they're born, we're all born unclean. See, what God's showing us here, even early on in his word, hundreds of years before Jesus arrives on the scene, is that we need to be redeemed. Now, let me ask you a question. Was Jesus born clean or unclean? Jesus is born clean. And so God takes his firstborn son and he sacrifices what is clean to redeem what is unclean. That's you and me. Isn't that awesome? He, re, he, he gives us his son first. And the Bible tells us that even when we were sinners, Jesus died for us. You realize what God's doing here? The faithfulness of God is hoping and trusting that we will have faith in him. The faithfulness of God goes first. He puts us first. He asks us to put him first. And when we do, when we put him first, he demonstrates his faithfulness and it grows our faith. Isn't that awesome? God trusts that we will have faith in him, that we will follow him in obedience. That's why he puts this system in place to show us, to teach us, to demonstrate to us who he is and what he's done for us. So when God's people, the Israelites, first went into the promised land, when they finally, after they'd spent 40 years in the wilderness and God demonstrating his faithfulness every single day, more than 14,000 days in the wilderness, God providing manna every day. God providing water when they needed it. God leading them step by step, turn by turn, day by day, every single step of the way. When they finally get to the promised land, God tells them, the very first city you take is going to be Jericho. And in Jericho, when you take that city, and you will, because I'm going to empower you to do it, I'm going to tell you how to do it, my faithfulness will lead you. When you take Jericho, I want you to take all the gold and all the silver and all the plunder from Jericho, and you give it to me, all of it, not part of it, not a tenth, all of it. Why? Because it's the first. It's the first city in the promised land that they're going to take. Now, do they have an absolute guarantee that they're, not going, they're, they're going to be able to take all the other cities in the promised land? No. They have to trust that God is going to be faithful, don't they? And they, they bring all, they're supposed to bring every bit of the gold, all the silver, all the plunder, and bring it to the tabernacle, which is God's house, so that God's ministry, so that the poor will be taken care of, so that God will be put first. And so they do that, all except one man. Achan takes some of the gold and silver for himself, and he hides it in his own tent. 
And the very next city they're supposed to take is the city of Ai. And they, they go to take the city thinking they're going to take this one as easily as they took Jericho, but they don't. They actually lose that battle. And 36 people died that day. Why? Because one man out of over a million people, one man was unfaithful and kept for himself something that belonged to God. You think this is something that matters to God? Yeah. Matters to God more than we may think for us to put him first in everything, in every moment, in every thought, in every decision, in every relationship, in every resource, in every way, every day to put God first because that's who he is. You realize that's who God is. God can't be anyone else because he is first. So when we give God, when we give first to God and we put him first, God redeems all the rest. When we give to God what is first and we put him in his rightful place, he takes care of everything else. We'll read that over and over in scripture again. So here's the way this works in our finances, for example. If you put, if you pay the mortgage company first, and then your utility bills and your food bills and all your other bills, and you give God what's left over, what you're really saying is, God, the mortgage company is what comes first in my life. The problem with that thinking is, the mortgage company is not going to take care of you. The mortgage company is not going to provide for your needs. In fact, you know when you're going to hear from the mortgage company? The only time you're going to hear from the mortgage company is when they want to loan you more money or if you don't pay your payments on time. That's when you're going to hear from your mortgage company. They don't care about you. Uh, no offense to any bankers in the room. I mean, it's a business, right? That's the way it works. That's why we have to put God first. Secondly, first fruits must be offered that word is intentional. It's an offering. It's a returning to God what belongs to him. Proverbs 3, chapter 3, verse 9 says, Honor the Lord from your wealth, in other words, from all the, the resources that God provides to you, and from the first of all your produce, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. See the promise of God? When we put him first, he will provide. Now, let me hasten to say, don't misunderstand me. I don't agree with preachers who preach a, what's known as a prosperity gospel. This is not about, you know, give to God and he'll give to you tenfold. That's not what I'm talking about here. That's not biblical. We return to God what belongs to him, and we put him first by doing that, and then he demonstrates his faithfulness to us because it's a relationship. He isn't a heavenly vending machine. He is a person. He is our God, our heavenly Father, who is perfect in all of his ways, as we've been singing. Exodus 23, verse 19 says, you shall, bring the, you shall bring, notice that word, circle the word bring. You shall bring the choice first fruits of your soil into the house of the Lord your God. The tithe always goes to the house of God, the church. Notice he says bring, not give, because there's a difference between offerings and tithes. The tithe belongs to God. An offering is over and above your tithe. An offering is what you give out of your generous heart. 
to someone or to a church or to a ministry or to a cause of, in the kingdom. That's an offering. A tithe is what it already belongs. We set that part aside because it belongs to God. So we bring it. See, here's the re- reason that word is important is you can't give something that doesn't belong to you. So you bring to God what belongs to him. And you return it to him. why God says if we keep the tithe, we're stealing from him. He talks about that in Malachi 3. We'll, we'll look at that in a moment. But God tells us when we put him first and bring to him what belongs to him, he honors the priorities of our heart. We pass the test of putting first things first, and he grows our faith, and our relationship deepens. We experience that wonder of intimacy with God. This is exactly what our children do. We, we experience this with our children, right? When our children are faithful and they do what we ask them to do, then we trust them with more, don't we? But if our children prove they're not faithful or not trustworthy, then we, as parents, we're going to go, well, until you learn to handle what I've entrusted to you, I'm not going to give you more. That would be a bad, bad idea for you and for me and for everybody involved. That was what's going on when when we see in early on in Genesis chapter 4, when, when the very first, the sons of Adam and Eve, Cain killed Abel over this very issue. In Genesis 4, verse 3, it says, So it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. Now, it's very specifically uh, explained here. He's not saying, it's not saying Cain returned his tithe. It says when he got around to it, he brought an offering to God. Then it goes on to say, but Abel brought from the firstlings and from the fat portions of his flock, and he returned to God what belonged to him. Therefore, God had regard, had favor on Abel because Abel returned what belonged to God. He did not have regard for Cain because Cain was just throwing crumbs to crumbs at God. See the difference? So Cain ends up getting jealous because God demonstrates his faithfulness and his favor toward Abel. That's why Cain ended up killing his brother. See, God is first. He's above all things. Let me, let me say this carefully. This, in in uh, theological terms, this is called the, uh, the, the, the preeminence of God. He is first. He is number one. He is above all things. He is preeminent. That's his role. That's who he is. And God cannot change who he is. Therefore, because of who he is and because of his nature, he can't accept second things. He says several times in his word, when you throw crumbs at me, I would prefer you just keep it. If that's the kind of relationship you want with me, I don't, I'm not interested. I want to be first in your life. Because that's who he is. He is preeminent. He is Lord of lords. He is King of kings. He is above all things. That's who he is. He can't become someone else. He will not compromise. We also know another theological word for you. It's called the immutability of God. It means he cannot change. 
God's not going to compromise with us. He's not going to, you know, go, oh, that's okay. It's just a little, let that slide. God can't do that. If he could, he wouldn't be trustworthy. He wouldn't be who he is. All through God's word, it says his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. You know what that means? God doesn't think the way you think, the way I think. That's why he wants us to know him, and he wants us to know the way he thinks. God, God, you realize this, God has never said, you know what I just thought of? You realize he's never said that? God has never said, you know what just occurred to me? Are you catching this? Or, or God's never said anything like this. He's never said, oh my me. <laughs> Nothing's ever surprised him. Because he's preeminent. He's immutable. He's unchangeable. He is who he is. And his ways are higher than our ways. And we, when we put him first, we receive from him what he has for us. His faithfulness, his provision, his amazing grace. We get to watch that. And we get to experience it. That's why Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, Verse 33 says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. What, what are all these things? Let's back up a little bit in the passage and see what Jesus is talking about, because I think it's going to apply to every single person in the room. If we back up and see what Jesus is talking about, he's saying in verse 25, he says, for this reason, and, and the reason he said that is he says, I know who you are, and I know what you're like, and I know what you, the way you think, and I know you have a tendency to be anxious and worried about things. Anybody have a tendency to be anxious and worried about things? A few of us? A few of us? Um, and God knows that. And therefore, he says clearly to us, for this reason, I say to you, don't be worried about your life. Don't be worried about what you're going to eat or what you'll drink or what you're, or, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Isn't that good news? Ladies, isn't it great to know that you don't have to worry about what you're going to wear? Yes. I mean, how many women go in front of a closet full of clothes and go, I have nothing to wear? I mean, I just, I've just heard that you do that. I don't, I'm not, right, right. I'm sure guys never do that. We all worry, don't we? We all get anxious about something, whether or not the bills are going to get paid, what we're going to wear, what we're going to look like. Is everything going to be okay? And Jesus very clearly goes through a list here saying, don't worry about all of that. Even He says, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store in barns, but God takes care of every one of them. And you... If you worry, can you add a single hour to your life? Why are you worried about clothing or how the lilies, see how the lilies of the field grow? They don't toil or spin. He goes on to say, even Solomon in all of his glory was not adorned like the lilies of the field. God says, he goes on to say, God is going to take care of you. You know, this reminded me of 
several months ago, David and Lauren, our daughter and son-in-law, and their two little girls, Hazel and Iris, were living with us. And um, Iris was, or uh, Hazel was just starting to talk. She had, she had several words, but she couldn't put a sentence together very well yet. She, hadn't, she was about to turn two years old. And she kept telling her mom, our daughter Lauren, about an angel. And Lauren had never even told her about angels before. So Lauren kept asking, well, what are you talking about, Hazel? And she said, well, I, I see angel. What, what are you? And so finally, Lauren figured out, finally determined, she's seeing an angel. She's having an encounter with an angel. And so Lauren began to ask Hazel questions. And she said, well, does the angel talk to you? Yes, she said. She said, well, what does the angel say? And, and Hazel told her this, and then Lauren called us immediately. And we were actually driving home at the time. And when we got home, Lauren asked Hazel to tell us what the angel said to her. She said, Hazel, tell Nana and Papa what the angel said to you. And she just looked at us very matter-of-factly, just turning to, just starting to put words together to make a sentence, and said this. With these motions, she said, he said he's going to take care of me, and he's going to take care of us. And that's what she did. Now, you can think what you want to think, but I think my granddaughter was listening to and seeing an angel because she has the faith to see what God wants her to see and to hear what God wants her to hear, and she actually believes it. What about you? What about me? Do we believe what God's telling us? Do we believe it when he says, I'm going to take care of you? Do we believe it when he says, if you'll put me first, I will demonstrate my faithfulness in you and I will grow your faith and I will develop such an intimate, close relationship between us, you will never have to worry or doubt about anything. You believe that? That's what he says. This is his word to all of us. Passage of Scripture in Hebrews chapter 13, if you want to write that down or look it up later, it says, oh, by the way, the writer of Hebrews says, um, be careful about showing hospitality to strangers because some will entertain angels unaware. This is in God's Word. I'm just reading it. Number three, the tithe must be first. The tithe must be first. Leviticus 27.30 says, Thus all the tithe of the land and the seed of the land and the fruit of the tree, it's the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. We cannot keep for ourselves something that is holy. Something that we're supposed to set aside, sanctify as unto the Lord and make holy. It is the Lord's. It belongs to Him. When we keep it, we're stealing from God. We have to make certain we understand that God's faithfulness is real and it's powerful and he asks us to have faith in his faithfulness you know uh, when Kathy and I first got married 33 and a half years ago we said to one another uh, as we were planning our finances and our life together and so we said you know one of the things that's not going to be ever going to be a negotiable for us is is the tithe we're, we're going to start tithing now 
the minute we get married and we're going to do that. So it's been easy for us to do that. We didn't have to start later and readjust. So it's been easy for us to do that. And as we've gone along over the last few years, we've been able to increase that amount. But every time, for the last 33 and a half years, it doesn't matter what comes in, any kind of increase, whether it's a paycheck or something we sell that we get an increase on, we take that portion that belongs to God and we return it to Him. We bring it to Him because it belongs to Him. And then on top of that, in addition to our tithe, we do offerings. There are four of our ministry partners that we support directly with offerings. That's not a part of our tithe. We tithe and we give tithes and offerings. We give on a regular basis to four of our ministry partners because we're in relationship with them and we want to help them and support them. And we give every year to our greatest gift offering. We're going to have a special offering at Easter time. I'll tell you more about that next week. We'll give an offering to our special offering at Easter time. But that's an offering. Now, I'm not telling you all of this to build myself up in your eyes. The reason I'm telling you this is it's a testimony to God's faithfulness in our lives. Because God has blessed us in so many ways we can't begin to tell you. I'd be here all day if I told you all the ways God has blessed us. He's blessed our marriage. He's blessed our finances. He's blessed our family. He's blessed our children and our grandchildren and our homes and our extended family. He has blessed our socks off. Every time we pray, we thank God for all the amazing ways He has blessed us. I just want that for you. I want that for everyone I know. See, this isn't about what God wants from you. It's about what God wants for you. God wants this for his children. He isn't some curmudgeon looking at it going, going, oh, give me that, give me that. God's wanting to give us his faithfulness and his provision. And then we become a testimony to his faithfulness and his blessing, and we get to share that with others. And it becomes a tangible demonstration of who God is and who he's made us to be. And I want that for everyone I know. Everyone. Let me give you a quick illustration here. Um, got three guys. Jeff, would you come over and join these three, these two guys? And you guys stand here together. We've got Mike and... Uh, We've got Jeff, and we've got Andrew. No, here you are. So here, here's, the, here's the deal. These three guys, I, uh, here's what I'm going to do. Just remember, this is a sermon illustration. I'm going to give you all three $10,000 a month. Mike, don't get too excited. Now, this is just a sermon illustration. <laughs> uh, but I'm going to give you $10,000 a month, and what I want you to do, I'm going to go away on a long trip, and what I want you to do is each of you, I want you to give $1,000 a month to Kathy, my bride, to take care of her needs while I'm away. And so um, if you could just do that, and so now let's just roll the clock ahead six months and assume I've been gone for six months, and I've called Kathy to ask her about a report on how these guys are taking care of, of my bride while I've been gone. And um, so uh, I understand that she, she told me, Mike, you have been giving her $1,000 a month, and it's been like clockwork. First of the month, great job. Thank you very much for being faithful and for helping to take care of my bride. And Andrew, uh, I, I know that based on what she said, that you 
have been giving her $2,000 a month. I only, I only ask you to give her $1,000 a month. And that's amazing. So thank you for being faithful. But Jeff, <laughs> Jeff, 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 Jeff. I asked Kathy how you've been, you know, handling things, and she said, well, we need to talk about Jeff. Heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> I said, well, I wondered about Jeff. She said the first month Jeff gave $800, and the second month he only gave her $600, and the third month he didn't give her anything at all. Jeff, Jeff, I give you the $10,000 a month. It's not yours. <laughs> and so you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take the money I've been sending to Jeff, and I'm going to send it to Andrew and to Mike. Because you guys have proven that you are faithful. And you're taking care of my bride. So thank you for that. Now, thanks. You, you just give these guys a hand real quick. Um, for letting me, letting me um, give them a hard time. Here's, here's the deal. The reason I wanted to share that illustration with you. You think if I were going to do that, that it would be important to me for someone to take care of my bride? Jesus said, I'm going to go away for a while, and then I'm going to return. And while I'm away, I want you to take care of my bride. His bride is the church. It's the bride of Christ. Do you think this might be more important to God than we might have thought? For us to put Him first and for us to demonstrate our faith and then experience His faithfulness. It's pretty important to God, isn't it? That's why he says in Malachi 3, this is the words of God here. Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. How have you robbed me? In tithes and offerings, he says, and you're cursed with a curse for robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and test me. See, God says, test me. Test my faithfulness and see if I won't open the doors of heaven and pour out such a blessing into your life you won't be able to contain it test me and see how faithful I am he says to us he wants us to experience his faithfulness his blessing. You see what he says there in that passage of scripture, and I won't take time to unpack this, but I want to show it to you, because I want you to see this all through God's word. In that passage in Malachi 3, and I want you to write this in your notes, or maybe write in the margins of your Bible. Here's what he says to you. He says, I will provide to you. I will provide for you, and I will protect you, and I will bless you so that you will be a testimony to those around you. 
I will provide, I will protect, and I will empower you to be a testimony. God promises those three things to us all through His Word. You can find that in almost every passage of Scripture. God says, I will provide, I will protect. Notice what He says, I will, I will get rid of the devourer of your crops. I am going to protect you. You don't have to worry. You don't have to be anxious. And I will empower you to be a testimony of my faithfulness. That's who I am. That's who he is. He says. It's a pretty powerful truth, isn't it? Isn't that an awesome thing to celebrate? So let me ask you, what's God saying to you in these moments? What's, God been, what's the Holy Spirit been saying to you as we've spent this time in his word? listening to what he has to say to us. What's the Holy Spirit been saying to you? Why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes and let's pray. Father, I know you've been speaking to all of us in various ways this morning as we've spent this, these moments together and I want to thank you for that. Thank you, Lord, for speaking truth into our hearts and minds. And now, Father, I pray that you will draw every single one of us to yourself. Some of us in this room need to respond to you, God, and to what you've been saying to us. Some of us need to come and pray, receive your truth, and devote our lives to you so that you'll grow our faith and relationship with you, so that we can experience you in the demonstration of your faithfulness to us. Thank you, Father. 